Oh, thank you guys very much. My apologies publicly to Randall. I cut him off when he was going to mention offering, so I apologize, Randall, for that. <laughs> At the time, I was like, what is he doing? This is my control issues. Good thing I'm talking about control tonight. Um, but hey, good evening. My name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, um, tonight is a great night. Tonight is awesome. And uh, I know I'm getting feedback, but it'll be fixed in a minute because Ron is amazing back there at the booth. So thank you, Ron. Um, Here's the deal. Tonight we're talking about resolve. We got the New Year's. Everybody loves to make New Year's resolutions. And then February hits and they go, what resolution? (laughs) And they start planning for the next year. And so tonight we're talking about resolve. What does it mean to have resolve? And uh, there's the basic uh, definition where it talks about fixing a problem or whatever. But basically it's deciding firmly on a course of action. Deciding firmly on a course of action. If you're using that as a a noun, it's a firm determination to do something. And I don't know about you, but in your addiction, have you found a firm determination to quit? I mean, I was, went to a meeting last week, and it spun me out when I left, and I don't know why. And I called one of my accountability partners, and I was talking to him. And the topic we were discussing was, what happens if we're not done yet? What happens if we haven't resolved the idea that we're not done? We hear that small voice of, I got one more good run in me. If we start hearing those voices, we are in dangerous territory. We are on our way to relapse. And that's when we need to call our friends. But the question and the hope tonight is that we have resolve. We have resolve in our life to have a firm determination to do something. That we have a firm determination to change the course of our life. That we have a firm determination to go through the 12 steps. To actually surrender to that process in our life. That that means whatever it takes, I'm going to make it to that step study. I mean, here's the deal. In my addiction, I would neglect work. I would neglect friends. I would neglect family just to get my fix. Do we have that same determination to get our recovery? Are we willing to change our recovery, our schedule to get our our meetings? Or do we just go, oh, it doesn't fit my schedule, I'm done. And I don't say that for guilt because that's a question for you to answer. When we've been talking about the story of Elijah lately, uh, I talked about it, Kim Sorali talked about it, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it before we get into our message tonight. And that is this, what happened... If you follow the story, he goes and he confronts 450 of the prophets of Baal, right? Humiliates them, kills them, awesome, sorry. And then a woman stands up and says, go kill him, and he runs. And then he runs, he hides in a cave, he's depressed, he hears the whisper of God, God talks to him, and what does he do at the end of that? He gets resolve. He's set forth with a goal and something to do. He has the opportunity to walk out of that cave, go back to this desert, 
And along the way, he anoints a king and he throws his cloak, which is weird. I throw my shirt to the the dirty clothes hamper. He throws his cloak and that was a symbol of that guy's gonna be the next prophet. Weird. If some dude threw a jacket at me, dude, we'd be going, I wouldn't fight. No, I'd be like, what's up? But here's the deal. Is that's what happens. And this next dude, Elisha, I know Elijah, Elisha, confusing. Elisha's now charged to fill his spot. And the, the Lord says, here's the deal. All the people that this king doesn't kill, Elisha's gonna kill. Like 7,000. Awesome. <laughs> I get excited about that stuff. I'm sick. I know. I know. But here's the deal. That's the resolve he has and he gets up and does it. Some of us have been sitting in our depression. Some of us have been sitting in our sad pity pot for whatever reason, whatever excuse we may have. And it's time to get some resolve in our life and begin to get back on track. And we can take a look at what resolve means. And first of all, we can see an example in the book of Judges. If you don't know anything about the book of Judges, the book of Judges is amazing. I love it. There's a lot of great things in there, a lot of fights. Samson's in there killing people with jawbones, all that kind of stuff. But every single story in there basically is tied to Judges chapter 2. And they're all pretty much the same. There's disobedience, the Lord removes his favor, there's destruction, there's, there's hurt and pain, the Israelites then cry out, they repent, the Lord raises up a, a prophet or a judge, and then that judge restores them. That judge dies, the Israelites go back to disobedience, and it's a, circun, it's a circular Cycle that happens in the book of Judges. Well, Judges chapter two, it starts off with our disobedience, which you just saw up there, which I love that slide. Go back to that previous slide. There we go. Disobedience, disobey. Do you guys remember that movie V for Vendetta? That is like anarchy type stuff. That is what the world preaches. Do your own thing. Who cares about government? Do your own thing. What is our disobedience? How is our disobedience? How are we anarchists to God? Our disobedience in Judges chapter 2, it says this, verses 2 and through, and then verse 12, it says this. But you have not obeyed my voice, the Lord says. What is this you have done? You have not obeyed my voice. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They bowed down to these other gods. When I was reading in uh, 1 Kings, or it was actually, or uh, yeah, 1 Kings when it was talking about Elijah, um, it talked about that nobody had bowed to him or kissed the idol. What are the things that we do in our lives that are outside of God's plan? What are the things that we bow down to? What are those things that God's called us to do but we can't do because we're too worried about ourselves or because sin has crept in and destroyed our life? Let's talk about sin just a minute. So in the church world, 
You talk about sin, that's missing the mark, that's doing disobedience against God. And a lot of people go back to the Ten Commandments. Let's go back to the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look at what those are, if you guys remember those. And for me, as a guy who hates legalism, this is a law book that I just go, and I cringe every time I read this because I hate the laws. And we're not gonna show it up there because I forgot to put the slide up. But the Ten Commandments say this. Thou shall not have other gods before me. Have you put person, place, or thing in front of God? Have you put your family in front of God? Have you put your job in front of God? Have you put yourself in front of God? What are the things that you've put in front of God? That, oh, I just lost the picture. There it is. Thou shalt not ha- make unto thee any graven images. That we don't make anything that would represent God. And maybe we don't do that with our specific hands. But what about that oval leather object that gets played now almost every single day of the week that we bow down to? That's a struggle. What about the other things that we have that we put in front of him? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. How many of us keep that Sabbath day holy? That don't let the outside influences of the world creep in on our relationship with God. That we would actually take a day off to spend with him. I mean, we may take a day off. But do we take a day off to spend with him and keep it holy? I mean, I love to take a day off. Honor thy father and thy mother. We'll just skip that one. Um, Just kidding. Um, Because many of us in this room, guess what? Our mom and dad have made our inventory list, haven't they? Mm Mm-hmm. How do we honor somebody that's like that? And I had the toughest time when my mom was still alive. I had the hardest time honoring my mom. I received so much hurt and pain in my relationship with her it was very, very difficult for me to honor her. That was something I had to work on. What about thou shalt not kill? I would say there's probably nobody in this room, but knowing that we're all in recovery, there's probably somebody that has that on their inventory list, and that's okay, you're all accepted, we love you all. You shall not commit adultery. Again, recovery group, probably that has uh, some implications on some of our lives. Thou shalt not steal. I shall not bear false witness. You shouldn't lie about other people. Gossip, all that fun stuff. You shall not covet. Well, I'm depressed now. (laughs) Thank you. I'm gonna go sit back down. But here's the thing is, man, we have that sin. My sin is compulsively overeating. There's times that my belly is is bigger than God. I'd rather feed my stomach than I'd rather... Worship God. What are the things in your life that has caused you disobedience? We move out of disobedience and we go, our lives become unmanageable. What in your life is unmanageable? Well, it became very unmanageable 
In the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, it says this. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. That's good. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned. And as the Lord had sworn to them that they were in terrible distress. That the Lord handed them over to plunderers. Their life became unmanageable. They no longer had control of the things around them. They were given into slavery. What in your life is unmanageable? What in your life can you no longer control? I mean, is it people? I mean, are there people in your life you're trying to control that are just out of control? What about places? Is there certain places that you just wish it was different, like your workplace? If your supervisor just thought like you and did what you thought, wouldn't it be much better? I know my employment would be better, but guess what? The reality is God put them in a position and it's my job to humble myself and follow after them. What about things? That darn TV remote won't work, the darn car won't work, the things around us go crazy and we can't do anything to change it. We have our plates and we're spinning them and 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 then they all start to fall. What in your life has become unmanageable? Now, maybe nothing right now. But remember the days of recovery? Remember the days when you were in your addiction and you were trying to control everything? You were trying to control every single lie, every single person around you, every single situation? Didn't it become unmanageable? You had to remember what lie you told. You had to remember what you said. You had to remember those things so you wouldn't get caught. Well, when control is, is the place, but we also have pain that becomes unmanageable. I mean, there's a little bit of pain, and we have a hurt, and we can deal with it. I'll man up, push through it, all that fun stuff, right? Just walk it off like I talked about two weeks ago. But then there's that pain that hurts so deep we can't do anything. And a lot of times it's that pain that hits us so deep that brings us into these rooms. The fact that we just got caught with multiple affairs, the fact that our wife just left us, the fact we just got kicked out, the fact that something happened. Now for other addictions, it's, it's, it's maybe a little easier. For food addiction, maybe it's just high blood pressure. Maybe it's diabetes. But maybe it's that heart attack that hits you and you said, whoa, I better change the way I eat. Not only pain, but then destruction. Your relationship with your kids are gone. Your relationship with your wife is gone. Your husband is gone. Your parents are gone. The destruction around us is totally 100% unmanageable. There's nothing we can do to change it. And yet God is calling us to do that. God is asking us to start to do something. And here's what he does. He provides a way out. Our way out. What is that way out? Well, in Judges chapter two, verse 16, it says this. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. God rose up judges to help deliver the, the land. 
God rose up people in your life to help deliver you. There is a way, and it starts this. Starts with this, humility. We're going to start teaching through the steps in a couple weeks. And uh, starting in January, when we start teaching through the steps again, we start talking about humility and surrender and realizing we're powerless. And those are the first steps, is humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, I can't do this. Me alone, I can't do this. I have to find somebody else. I'm not powerful enough to deal with this. And we have to find our way out. What is your way out? Well, the Lord provides a way. Not only is it humbling ourselves, but surrendering. Surrendering it to God. Surrendering to our higher power. In the book of Acts, do you realize that the beginning church was referred to as people of the way? They were referred to as people of the way. In Acts chapter 9, even the apostle Paul, before he was turned, says, hey, tell me about these people of the way. Verse chapter 19, he, they're talking about the, the people of the way. Are you a person of the way? What is that way? Well, there's a certain way that we're supposed to do things. Well, God tells us what that way is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God provides a way to escape. He provides that way out. The question is, will you be in tune enough? Will you have the resolve enough to hear and to see the way? Or will you give in to that little voice in your head that says, I got one more good run in me? It's only one beer. It's only one going online. It's only one image. Whatever that may be. Well, John chapter 14, in Jesus' own words in uh, verse 6, it says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. He is our way. And I know we go to church and you got the church answer that's always Jesus. Anytime in Sunday school, they ask a question. Jesus will probably be the answer 90% of the time. Survived my way through Sunday school with that answer and it worked well for me. But it is the truth. Jesus is our way. Now how do we use Jesus? How do we tap into his resources? How do we look for that way? That's up to us. That's our part. To find that way. That way to healing. Because if you remember that hurt and pain and that dysfunction and the slavery we were once in into our addiction, this is quite a journey. And then when all is said and done, we find the way we start to gain resolve, our resolve. And that resolve is huge. In Judges chapter 2 verse 18, it says this, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because 
of those who afflicted and oppressed them. The fact that they would have resolve because of this judge and they would start to turn their ways over to God, they would slowly start to surrender to him, find that humility, and they would build that resolve. What are you resolving to in your life right now? What are you resolving to in your recovery right now? What still has a grip on your life that you need to let go of right now? Well, our resolve starts with the journey. Resolve is a journey. It's not an immediate thing. There's an African proverb that we're going to show up on the screen, and this is what it says. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You want to go fast, go alone. And here's the deal. I see lots of people come in these rooms, and boom, I got 30 days clean and sober. What? And then, don't see them for years. Relapsed. I got 60 days clean and sober, man. I'm doing so good. I hit all these. Da, 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 da. Well, who's your sponsor? I don't have a sponsor. Well, who's your accountability? I, I, I got it on my own, man. I'm good. And they fall flat on their face. The guys that come in the room, the gals that come in the room, and they take it slow, and they want the true recovery, they take it one day at a time, one moment at a time, one page at a time, one step at a time one meeting at a time, and they slowly start the process of going the distance of their recovery. And they finally start to find healing. Because here's the deal, right out of the chute, they could, gone. Here's the deal, I'm a lineman. I was an offensive lineman, and I could sprint super fast for five yards. I was good for five yards, and you move me tackle to tackle, for you ladies, you may not know what that means, but from one line, one side of the offensive line to the other side of the offensive lineman, I was quick. Outside of that, I was slow. I would lose speed and I'm done. I'd have to get pulled out just to get a breather to get back in there and do another play. I remember one time, I was on defense. It was amazing. They did this run play. Somebody hit the ball out of the running back's hand and it hits the ground as I'm coming around the D-end and it pops right in my hand. And I'm like, this is a gift. And I grab it and I'm booking it, man. I'm running as fast as I can for 10 yards. I made it though. And then all of a sudden I'm still running and I'm going and I hear people in the stands back when Forrest Gump was out, run Forrest! And I was like, I got nothing left. <laughs> nothing. And this guy jumps and hits my foot and I go falling down. Couldn't even break a foot tackle. And I land on the 10 yard line and I'm on offense too so we give him the ball and I get in the huddle and I'm dying. <laughs> And then it was, it was when our, where our huddles were the offensive linemen always got to do this, which was amazing. I was like, this is awesome. And I'm uh, breathing, and they're like, they call the play, and it's a play I got to pull. Which means I'm here, and I got to run out there and hit somebody. And I turn to the running back, and I go, I ain't going to make it. <laughs> we ran the play. Somehow the guy got blocked, and we got a touchdown. It was awesome. But here's the point is, man, I wanted to go on, had no blockers, had nobody else, and I didn't make it very far. But together as a team, we can do the things that we need to do to make it into the end zone, to get that score, to win. 
And that's the goal for our lives. J.R.R. Tolkien, I don't know why he has three initials, but he does, always throws me for a loop. One of my favorite movies, Lord of the Rings, favorite books, love the Lord of the Rings, love the Hobbits, but he has this quote in the book that says this, little by little, one travels far. Little by little, one travels far. It's one step at a time. Just placing one foot in front of the other. And you never know where that's going to lead. No matter how small your stride is, as long as you take enough steps, you'll be able to travel further than you ever imagined. After all, even the tiniest of hobbits were able to traverse the entirety of Middle Earth. I know it's a fake story. But they did have to skip a few meals. Here's the thing. In our life, it's little by little. It's taking one step at a time, one moment at a time, one meeting at a time. This is how we start to get resolve in our life. This is how we start to gain momentum. You talk to people who have a year or two years or three years or 20 years, and they will tell you, I can't believe I made it this far. But they didn't do 20 years in one day. You can't. You did it one step at a time, one moment at a time. Because it's not done that quick. I mean, I didn't gain all this weight overnight. It's not like I went to bed as a 135-pound guy and then woke up, and I'm not telling you my weight, um, (laughs) as big as I am. That's not how it happens. It took time. A lot of effort. And it takes time and a lot of effort to work our recovery, to get the healing we need in our life. Sometimes, though, we feel like we're in this waiting pattern. We're on an airplane, and they've got us installed, and we're circling the airport, and all we want to do is land. Can we just land? Can we just do this? We're, come on, I'm running out of steam, running out of gas. Let's, let's get this thing on the ground. Let's Come on, let's do something. <coughs> Sorry about that. <coughs> but when we wait on God, it's not a waste of time. But it's God's process of restoring us. I got a buddy that works on cars. He takes old cars that are rusted and clunkers and not good. (coughs) You know what he does with them? He restores them. Now here's the type of person I am. I'm gonna give him that car on Tuesday. I'm gonna come back on Wednesday and be like, hey, are you done? (laughs) It doesn't happen. There's a process you gotta go through. Same thing in our life. As we are waiting on God, we have to wait to be restored by God. Some people walk in these rooms that are single and hurting, and they think the solution is maybe if I just get in another relationship, that'll help me. (laughs) Let God restore you first. (laughs) Wait on God. Relax. Get healthy. And then let's see where the Lord will take you. Let's then see what the Lord has for you. In recovery, we call that the 13th step. Don't 13th step it here. Please, I get phone calls on that stuff. 
But it's one day at a time of God restoring us. So let him restore us. And not only do we have that, but we have companions in our life. Who are the companions in your life? If you remember the movie of Lord of the Rings, they had these companions that were going out for this journey. First it was just Frodo all by himself. And then all these people started to stand up and say, hey, I'll take that journey with you. Who are the companions in your journey? I mean, I know I look like Gimli, but... (laughs) Who are the, the dwarf? Sorry. But here's the thing is, who are the people along this journey with you? I mean, Psalm chapter 133, verses one through three, this is the whole Psalm, I love it. It says this, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, live forevermore. And as awesome as you guys just heard that, you're so concerned about oil getting everywhere. (laughs) You all were freaked out at that moment. But if you were to go back in the time that this was written, this is a beautiful piece. That oil represents favor and blessing and the anointing of God. And that there would be this oil that would be poured out upon us. And when we get companions and unity amongst us, there is favor and blessings in our life. And when we go into open share group, and when we go into our step studies, and when we get our sponsor, and when we get our accountability partners, there is favor that is poured upon us in our life. So who are those companions that are on this journey with you? I mean, it's easy for me to say, hey, Get, get a sponsor, get accountability partners. Don't do this journey alone. Don't just go fast, but go far. But the reality is you gotta find those people in your life. And if you're here for the first time, one of the best things I can tell you is start to find a sponsor. I know you have lots of questions. Ask your first time guest people tonight. Um, how's that look? But, but start to find that sponsor in your life, that person that can help walk this road with you, this person that can guide you through the steps, this person that has recovery, has sobriety, has walked the steps himself and can guide you through this. If you know the story, maybe a Gandalf, somebody that knows it, that can guide you and direct you. But that's what I wanna end this with is if you don't have a sponsor, Resolve to get a sponsor this year. Resolve to get a sponsor in January. Resolve to get accountability partners. Resolve to go to open share group and stay there. Resolve to go through a step study. Resolve to serve in large group or on on Tuesday nights. Resolve to get here for the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting. In other words, get here for dinner for the purpose of fellowship and and stay later for dessert for fellowship. That you'd resolve for those things in your life because that is how we start to build the companions and that is how we start to build the team around us to help us along this journey so that we're not going alone. But whatever your resolve is, 
Be determined to make a life change this year. Let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.